Blog Talk Radio. Firefly Willows L.I.D.E. presents Revolution, featuring your host, Heisey Lutner. Welcome to this month's Revolution with High C. Thank you for listening. And I'm joined today for our roundtable here at the beginning of the show by Mildred Lynn McDonald, Hello. host of Healing Conversations, and John Carousella, Howdy. host of Convergence as well as A Shamanic Life, and Deb Carousella, Good morning. our fearless producer and voiceover artist. And for our roundtable discussion, I was struck by a blog post that I saw by T. Thorne Coyle called Welcome Stranger, and you can find it on her website at thorncoyle.com. And here we are in the midst of holiday season, preparations for the holidays, and we start to think about the people we know, who we want to get together with, but what this blog post really was about was how do we welcome and how do we meet strangers that we cross paths with so that we remember to always have something to offer or give, even when it's someone that we might not know or that we may feel we have absolutely nothing in common with. And, of course, the first thing that struck me was even when you feel you have nothing in common, we all have our humanity and our experience of being human in this lifetime as a commonality between us. So if we can even just meet on that level, that can often be a starting place to think about what is it I can offer this stranger whose path has crossed mine. And so I wanted to pose for both my fellow co-hosts here as well as for all of you listening to give thought to this as well. Um, My first question around this topic is, how do you welcome a stranger? Because we come across strangers every day. So how do you find yourself interacting with strangers? Do you acknowledge everyone? Do you tend to be in your own bubble and maybe not necessarily take notice How do we deal with strangers that might make us uncomfortable for whatever reason? Some people get uncomfortable walking by someone homeless on the street asking for money. Other people might get uncomfortable by someone they think is not in a mood that they might like to interact with. So my question to you is, when you come across strangers in your everyday lives, how is it that you interact with them? How how can you welcome them in some way? For me, when I meet a stranger, I guess the first thing would be that they don't seem strange to me. So the word stranger is almost a word in my vocabulary that doesn't exist, although I do understand what it is. And I find when I go out and greet the world, I'm naturally open to meeting whomever crosses my path. And I loved your question because what came to me was, I'm curious about the person. 
And I also look at crossing their path in whatever way that happens as an opportunity to shift the vibration upwards. So, so Mildred Lynn, you don't, you don't meet a lot of strangers. No, I don't. And that's when I was thinking about this, I, I realized that. Like, I, I don't even use the word stranger in my vocabulary. Well, and you come from some place that has a culture of being very welcoming to anyone and everyone in in Cape Breton, where you come from. Is that true? Yes, it's true. And in fact, now I'm going to blow the horn of Cape Breton. Cox Nast Magazine, they did a survey, and Cape Breton was voted the second friendliest island after Bali. Wow. Yes, yes. yes. So in Cape Breton, what does that mean? How do they think about the idea of the stranger, quote-unquote? Well, I believe that I'm probably an example of that. It's simply not in people's vocabulary. People aren't viewed as strangers or strange, and the emphasis is on making them one of us or making them feel at home as quickly as we can. So that's where the focus of the energy goes. Mm. So I think it's almost a reverse, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's very interesting. Mm-hmm. You know, when I thought about um, thought about Thorne's uh, blog post, this is a great blog post, a couple of things came up for me. One, one is the thing that I do when I meet someone, even even if I'm just passing them, right? Not even necessarily engaging them. But the first thing I do is I look for beauty. I look for what what part of them that uh, that I can see, where I where I can see their inherent beauty. Something about them that that carries that magic that is beauty. And you know, sometimes I'm more successful than others, but I know it's in there. And so you know, Mildred Lynn says she's curious. Um, I'm I'm like I'm interested in finding the beauty. And so I guess in a way that's curious for me, too, uh, it's just, a, you know, a, a different, it's more of an aesthetic spin, I guess you could say, uh, that there's always something about someone that will give me the experience of being in the presence of beauty, if only I can uncover it. I think that I'm very much like Mildred Lynn in that I generally don't think of people as strangers, simply as somebody I don't know. And I'm also very curious because I'm always curious to know what people's story is, to know what their experiences are, both because I can learn from that as well as it allows me to hear what some other types of experiences are that maybe I've not had because I'm always just curious what those were, how it was like for somebody to go through those, etc. So I tend to be very curious and open to people that I don't know because I want to hear their story and therefore I try to create an opening or an opportunity for them to feel comfortable in sharing or opening up in some way. Um, Jeff always laughs at me because the conversations that I will just start having with a taxi driver or a waiter or something he's always amused by because I will seemingly be asking them very what might seem like personal questions, but they're just not typical questions that people ask. It's not, you know, how are you? It's always, 
wanting to know something. I always want to know, like, why are you, why did you get into this profession? Or, you know, what's the most interesting thing you've experienced in the past week? So I think that curiosity is a way to help dissolve the barrier we may feel of strangeness between us and someone that we don't know. And that can be a very helpful and beneficial thing for both parties, because then neither of them feel uncomfortable or distanced from the other, rather than they start to feel a connection or an interconnectedness in some way. The other thing that I that I I look to uh, experience is I, I, I'm fascinated by what they can teach me. And, you know, you, you talked about it um, sort of uncovering their story. And for me, it's a little bit more a little bit more explicit than that. I'm looking for um, a skill or an experience or a perspective that will actually teach me a new skill or a new way of looking at the world. And so it's, it's kind of more purposed, I think, than uh, than the way I imagine you're just what you're describing. I see. Um, I guess I have a little bit more of an agenda <laughs> when I meet a stranger. Well, that always makes a stranger feel comfortable that they're talking to somebody who has an agenda. Um, it's only it's only to learn some things. No, well, I think the first the first thing I do is to look for beauty. And so, if if it's only if I only have a short time, then then that's probably where my attention goes. And then if I have a longer time to get to know someone a bit more, it's um, it's seeking. You know, I guess so. So priority one is beauty. Priority two is learning something. And then the other aspect is saying nothing but being open, and then people sense your being. You're open to an exchange. I guess I will be the odd man out voice. Um, I don't. I definitely know the word stranger, and I definitely feel the word stranger when I interact with individuals that I do not know, that I have never met before, that um, I will be passing perhaps for the very first time and never again in my life. Um, And I find, as I was reading through the um, blog post and and examining and thinking about the message that was there, I I very much interact with the world from a very... uh, personal point of view what does how am i feeling what does it mean to me how will it affect me what am i willing to engage how much am i willing to give and it all centers around me and my ability and my sense of how whether i feel secure whether i feel safe whether i feel generous sometimes i am very quiet and observant, and if I feel in a safe and secure place, then I will allow, I will be open to the interaction, even if it's simply a direct look in the eye and a smile. Sometimes it's a hello and a nod. Um, Sometimes it's actually a conversation, but they don't always go that way. Sometimes they're, I I approach a situation and, and I either am, too involved in my headspace and what's going on with me at the moment, or I don't feel particularly secure or comfortable. And then it's a, I try to be open to the fact that that is another human being and 
I will acknowledge, I will look in the eye, I will perhaps smile, but at the moment, that's all I have, and that's all I can share, and then I move on. Well, I think what you say there brings up a really good question that I like to pose to each of you, Um, and for those listening, you might also think how you would respond to this as well. What might be something that you would suggest that, let's say that we're not in a mood or feel like we're in a place where we have something to offer, especially when we feel like there is an expectation or even just a need that is there or being expressed. For example, if you're walking by someone asking for money and you don't have money to give them, or if you are dealing with someone who is asking for something that you feel like you just aren't in a place to be able to offer in that moment. What is something that you can offer to anyone at any time when you come across them, whether you know them or not, especially when you feel like you have nothing to offer or don't feel as if you're in the place to offer something? This one was a bit of a challenge for me, Hi C. And what I came up with is a smile. And I went back and looked at my behavior because, like everybody else, there there is there are times when I'm rushed, or are times when I'm tired, or times when I simply feel there's nothing in the gas tank that I I'm lucky to be getting through the day myself, crawling crawling along. And I I looked back and I thought, well. I know I'm always able to give a smile. I think the thing that I can do no matter what is not reject the person. You know, it's like we are so often when we're in that place where we don't have anything, we do, we don't feel like we can have, we have any, I don't have any change. I don't, I, this is not the right time for me to give to somebody we, there's two ways that that can happen as we pass them. We can put up a wall to defend ourselves against an onslaught, which is in a way a kind of rejection of that person and their condition. Or we can simply say we can experience in that moment empathy with their condition and their suffering without taking it on and without expectation that we can do anything about it. But the difference is that in that case, we're not rejecting them. We're not rejecting them as people. We're not objectifying them as other and and setting them away from us. And I think that's something that it takes a little bit of practice, but it really doesn't require any effort or energy. It just requires a kind of tranquility and compassion. And I think what John has just stated is um, what I was thinking and feeling. I would I would just simply use different words. Um, what came what I would use and how I would describe what the least that I could do would be um, politeness, courtesy, and sincerity from a place of as I guess John said as with empathy. Um, for me, that is the embodiment of. Um, sincerity, courtesy, and politeness. Um, truly seeing the other individual, but acknowledging that, I'm sorry, I, I cannot help you right now, but I do see you. Yeah, I think that's a big deal. 
seeing people is it has more healing. There's so much healing capacity in just seeing someone. Uh, and we don't we don't typically we're not practiced at that. We don't understand its power, but it's very much there. Well, and I think that that is very similar to what I was going to suggest as well, which is, if nothing else, I can always offer acknowledgement mm-hmm. by making sure that they know that they are seen and not invisible. That I have taken notice, even if I have nothing else to offer. So I always try to look people in the eye or make eye contact or offer a smile or simply open the door and let them go in before me. And, you know, I learned this seeing different articles and things, especially about homeless people, that sometimes all they really want is for somebody walking by to look them in the eye and acknowledge their presence rather than walk by as if they're invisible. Yeah. And so I, for me, that's always st- stuck with me. And it's always been something I thought needs to be applied to anyone at any time is make sure that they at least are acknowledged and feel as if they are seen and not invisible in the world. And that can just be through simple eye contact or a smile or something like that. It doesn't have to be some grand gesture Many of the things that you've already said, obviously, I think, connect to that same idea as well. But especially when we feel like we don't have something to offer or don't feel like offering, if you will, um, we can always offer a smile. And I think when Mildred said, you know, she always tries to smile at everyone, what you'll find is even if you feel like you're forcing it, if you do it all the time, that smile that you give someone else starts to affect how you feel and you start to feel a little lighter just because you've been willing to smile and you generally will get a smile back. But even if you don't, which goes to not giving with expectation of something in return, um, being willing to just make that simple gesture can actually have not only an effect on the other person, but I think an effect on us as well in that moment or in that day compared to how we might have been feeling up to that point. So I would encourage you, as you go through the hustle and bustle of the holiday season, undoubtedly coming across many strangers um, when out and about, to be willing to take notice of them, to make eye contact with them, to not necessarily see them as the other but to simply see them as a fellow passenger on this spaceship that we call Earth. (laughs) Um, All of us getting through this experience in our own way, but also together. And to take a moment to acknowledge, to smile, to give something to anyone and everyone that you come across, rather than only thinking about people that we know, and somehow making the rest of the world invisible. So my thanks to my co-hosts for chatting about this, Mildred Lynn McDonald. Thank you. Hi, C. Great topic. And John Caracella. Thanks, I see. And Deb Caracella. Thanks a lot. And stay tuned. And if you'd like to get a reading in the later part of the show when we are offering the live readings, you can... Skype in from the show page, or you can call 646-716-5510 in order to get into the queue and receive a reading. 
So hopefully you'll be doing that. And stay tuned. We'll be right back. on Firefly Willows, L-I-V-E. Find out more at facebook.com slash revolution with high C. Enjoy the show. I am Linda Wiley, and this is Living Well with Linda. Your monthly guide to the well-being of your body, mind, and spirit. It's about an alternative approach to life, healing, and living well in our changing world. Let food be thy medicine, and medicine be thy food. A return to this understanding of the truth of food and the value of food within our life. Our body is a machine for living. It is organized for that. It is its nature. Let life go on in it, unhindered, and let it defend itself. It will do more than if you paralyze it by encumbering it with remedies. Leo Tolstoy, War and Peace. To realize our connection with all of life and the plant and animal kingdom and how we support and help each other in our process. I am Linda Wiley, and this is Living Well with Linda. December 2013. And so it is the end of the year. How fast it seems to have come and then be gone. December has such beautiful, wondrous visions associated with its sweet, magical innocence in the memories of times gone by. Fantasies flying around. This gives energy to this now filled with the same gift of life. December is the best of winter months in many ways because winter is new, the snow is fresh, the heart still warm. 
It's a festive time of year, to be sure. It conjures up the excitement of parties and gatherings, friends and family. Christmas trees, sparkling lights, candles, caroling. Bustling cities all decorated in lights, beautiful window fronts, decorations. To the deep solitude of the mountain cabin, wood fire burning. The best foods, best clothes, dressing up, savoring the blessings of the year. Celebrating the return of the light. Celebrating the many myths and stories that abound at this time of year. At the solstice, the sun, S-U-N, S-O-N, rises, is born anew into the constellation Virgo, the Virgin. And it goes on like that. Some say there is no evidence of a historical person, Jesus. Some say the Bible is a military treaty of the Roman Empire and Caesar. A piece of propaganda to get the Jews to wish worship Caesar without them knowing. Religion seems to be about the destruction of the soul, not the saving of it. Lies abound in all of life, and it does us well to look more deeply than the surface for our answers. And the answers, most always, can be found within. And so it is about the return of the light, within and without. Remember that the body goes through the earth cycles too, whether we know it or not, or honor it or not. Honoring makes it so much more rich and deeply satisfying, rewarding. We honor it by accepting it, by being with it as it is, experiencing the deep offering of each moment. As we go about setting our intentions for the new year and saying goodbye to the old, know that for any resolution to be successful, you will have to look within. You must see where the glitches are that keep you from being successful. See the false beliefs that keep us locked into our filtered reality that is always reflecting back our beliefs. For as within, so without. Change your mind, change your world is also true. And doing and following through is very empowering. But it takes effort, determination, integrity, honesty, deep seeing of self, love and acceptance to see what is and let it go. Remembering who we are is key to freedom. So let us celebrate the return of the light, the mystery and awe of this place we call Earth, Home, Mother, Gaia. Let us remember to love one another and help one another to realize that without community, there is no life. To deeply care for the earth and each other, that no one shall be without home, food, medical. How could we have ever let this happen in the first place? This is a deep question to ask yourself, for without the gift of the heart, all is lost. Balance is not achieved. Let us see that it is time to stand together, men and women as equals, together, making this a place of truth, balance, harmony, fair share for all, that no tribe member is left out. Again, how could this ever happen? We have wandered far into the desert of life. It's time to turn around. Celebrate what is real in life. Dream the new dream where all are equal. Honor life, your life and live in accordance. Honor winter's offering to look within, to get in touch with who we are. For seeds sprout in the dark of the rich soil and compost. This is life. May the light of this season fill your heart with love to overflowing, blessing the year to come. May peace and brotherhood be lived in the deep gratitude 
for this unfolding mystery that we are. May we all awaken to the message of the heart calling out in so many ways. May we once again remember what it means to truly care for one another in the earth. And as we do this, all divisions melt into the nothingness that they are, and we find our way again as common humanity. This truth releases all lives, and we live again. time to dream away, to dream the new dream, that all may come to pass that is of the heart. For it is the season to enjoy and celebrate and connect from the heart with all we meet. In the meantime, I wish you a merry Christmas. for joining me today for this segment of Living Well with Linda. I'm Linda Wiley. If you would like to chat further with questions, comments, or consultations, please contact me at linda at prescia.com. Thank you and blessings to all. Blessings to all. Have a great rest of the day. A personal tarot reading can offer you insight, information, enlightenment, and empowerment along your life's path. Hi-C is a professional tarot conversationalist and ritualist with over 10 years' experience. He's available for readings in a variety of formats, including parties and events. To schedule your personal tarot reading, contact Hi-C at tarotbyhi-c.net or email him at hic at fireflywillows.com.
You can do it too, young man. So you'll be fine as long as on your own, too. You stand. My revolutionary guest this month is intuitive counselor, business coach, and digital marketer, Alyssa Cohan. Alyssa's approach to health is holistic, looking at the interconnectedness of the body, mind, and spirit. She guides her clients through the healing journey and into health using herbs, stones, foods, and other techniques in order to create the person and live the life they truly want for themselves. Having lost 110 pounds, Alyssa Cohan embarked on a five-year healing journey, including completing a certificate in personal training. She now works as an intuitive counselor, business coach, and digital marketer, raising awareness of inflammatory disorders on the mind and body. Alyssa is the host of the Hummingbird Chi podcast on Blog Talk Radio, and you can follow her on Tumblr for tips, tricks, and recipes for optimal health at Alyssa Cohan, A-L-I-S-S-A-C-O-H-A-N dot Tumblr, T-U-M-B-L-R dot com. So please join me in welcoming this month's revolutionary guest, Alyssa Cohan. And welcome to the show, Alyssa Cohan. Thank you so much for being here today and taking time out of here in California this lovely, rainy Sunday morning. (laughs) (laughs) It is. It's chilly and cold. Thank you for having me, beautiful high C. I'm very honored to be here. Well, and I think that what you just said there is something actually very important, that it's chilly and cold, which is perfectly Mm. normal for this time of year. And yes. I, we we often ignore some of the things that are just part of the natural seasons and cycles of things, which means we don't pay attention to what we need to eat or how we should be taking care of ourselves during particular times of the year versus we just do the same thing all of the time. So do you have any thoughts about how the approach to our health uh, and our eating and that kind of thing needs to shift throughout the year rather than just being the same thing all of the time? Yeah, absolutely. That's a great question, Heisey. I mean, you know, right now in the animal kingdom, many of our animal friends actually adopt a winter coat, which is ideal to um, keep warmth in this very cold and chilly weather. And as global warming surfaces more and more fiercely, we see um, a lot of dramatic weather changes and extremes and you know food and herbs are a big part in keeping you free of cold and flu sinus infection stress 
depression. A lot of us can get depressed around the holiday time. I mean, um, it's stressful with family coming in. It's a lot of candy and cookies and a lot of those foods that like to stick to our GI and cause a lot of um, symptoms like constipation and irritability and inability to sleep, um, racing thoughts and anxiety. And so what I generally like to tell people around this time of year is be very gentle with yourself. Eat um, warming and, and bland foods. Don't, don't, you know, feel the need to really judge yourself or feel badly if you do dip into the cookie jar, but try to offset it with eating lovingly to yourself. If you're, if you know you're having a holiday party and you're likely to eat a lot of sugar and a lot of things to spike inflammation, you know, maybe the next day it's, it's nourishing with some good bone broth and good broths over a a warm bed of rice. And maybe you add something nourishing like grass fed butter just to really soothe and coat the GI and tell your body that it's okay. Things aren't quite at, at a high spiked level and your system isn't going haywire trying to process sugar overload. So um, if you can consume warm foods, if you're a salad person, try to try to eat salad with something like a, a warm tea or room temperature water and lemon. Um, and honey lemon water is really a treasure right around now just for keeping our GIs moving and keeping our systems clean. And I really think if our internal systems aren't being asked to break down heavy, heavy foods and high sugar foods, people should be able to get through this holiday time um, with a little more glee and, and a little more lightness than uh, if they were <laughs> if they weren't paying attention and being gentle with themselves with warm to room temperature foods. Well, and something that you said there that was kind of interesting is you said to eat warming foods as well as more bland foods. Now, a lot of people might think of spicy foods as being warming because obviously you get that rush of the warmth and stuff. Can you maybe describe the difference between what you mean by warming foods versus what a spicy food is, which has a heat, but is different in terms of the warming you're talking about? Yeah, I liken it to, um, you know, when you're turning on and off a stove. So, you know, when you throw spice on something, you get that real quick rush of heat um, and you you kind of have a visceral reaction to this. Whereas when we're eating bland and and literally hot foods, and the term warming foods comes from um, my training in Chinese medicine, and, and what we say is, Um, we're really looking for you right now to be eating things like baked potatoes and sweet potato with good butter on top or um, cinnamon is really good around now and nutmeg. These kinds of things that keep your internal system in harmony and keep your body temperature balanced versus just feeling heat on your tongue or in your taste buds and then to be, you know, modified with water or some other lubricant to just take the initial spice out of the food. So um, actually spicy foods in winter can be quite inflammatory for some people. Um, I know in Ayurvedic medicine and and India, people who consume quite a bit of spice and turmeric and foods that are considered very healthy, they're eating that with a lot of rice and a lot of bland naan to try to counterbalance so much heat coming in and so much initial spice from the food. So if you do eat or find yourself 
eating spicy foods, um, don't be shy to, to really counterbalance that with some hot rice and um, warm milk or warm Thai tea is, is very effective as well um, versus eating to keep your internal system at 97, 98 degrees. Um, keeping the body in between this temperature range wards off a lot of disease and infection, which goes around pretty much around November through February. And so I, I really want to stress to people listening that when you think of a warming food, really reach out for that soup, something like a chicken noodle soup, um, broth, bone broth right now is, is really a popular trend. And it's one of the best things you can do because you can just dump old vegetables. You, it's saving money. Um, it, it comes out to be delicious. You can freeze it and take it to lunch with you. It can last the week if you make it in a crock pot. Um, and then don't don't ask your system to work too hard. There's a philosophy in Chinese medicine and a philosophy that I practice, which is, you know, too much turmeric, too much of these spicy herbs. Ask the GI to really work hard. And if you're constantly having to digest food or process food that instigates a reaction, something that makes you think hot or cold or spicy or sweet or salty, if you're having that kind of mental reaction, you're, you're going to be eating something that's going to likely come back and, and make you pay for it later with, with either a cold or a flu, anxiety, depression, or elimination issues. So I would say try to reach for that bone broth right around now as much as possible. And for vegetarians, can they get yeah. the same effect without the bone? <laughs> They can, they can. Um, they would just likely really beef up on uh, root vegetables. So if you are vegan or, or vegetarian, I would really look into leeks and working with radishes and leeks and onion and garlic. Um, it'll really come out nicely. And actually throwing in some cheese rinds uh, make it very flavorful as well. So um, if you are plant-based and really don't even want to go uh, anywhere near animal product, not even adding butter or anything like that, I would definitely um, take advantage of working with um, leeks and, and a root-based vegetable right around now, beet, beet, a beet even, which actually t comes out to taste quite well, but you have to roast it for, for a good 20 hours <laughs> because it's a blood orange uh, broth. It will be, I guarantee nobody will steal it from your work for, uh, work refrigerator with a bloody red uh, beet broth. You know? <laughs> You'll know who stole your lunch that day. We'll just say that. <laughs> um, and something you said there it just made me think, last night I was at a holiday party, and I was very heartened by how some of this knowledge is starting to filter into more mainstream thinking because I went up to get something to drink um, at the bar and the bartender said, do you want ice? And I said, no. And then he said, oh, well, you know, it's actually good that you're not getting ice because, you know, that really does make the body system and digestion um, you know, have problems. And, and really, we mm -hmm. shouldn't use ice in anything. <laughs> and mm -hmm. I was like, well, that's exciting that like a bartender would, would know that and, and be sharing that with someone, you know, so at least it's not just some uh, esoteric knowledge that those few people on a retreat up in the hills seem to know about kind of right. thing. Right. I'm um, so glad, too. That is wonderful. 
Yeah. Um, and you, you've you've obviously kind of made these connections, and I just wanted to perhaps hear you explore it a bit more. But can you talk mm-hmm. about that connection between the the physical body, the physical health and well-being and what we eat, and the emotional body and the emotional states, the mental body and the mental states, and the spiritual body and our spiritual states, and how they're all interconnected and how we can see signs for what we need by not just looking at one or the other, but by seeing if they're, if we're feeling depressed, let's look to our food rather than let's look to what do I need to do to make myself happy by something outside of myself, for example. Yeah, yeah. I mean, this is, I mean, this is such a powerful and dense question and really something that I'm committing my life study to. But um, I, I very much am setting out and, and I have a, philosophy that I do think our spirituality, our mental clarity, our ability to be a contribution to our employers and our partners and and really humanity is impacted by what we eat. Um, I think that when you are undernourished and over-sugared or in overdrive and stress, stress is apparent, life is very stressful for people right now. Technology really makes us move very fast, faster than humans are really meant to move. And our GI track really can't keep up with the new pace of, I think, what many people are trying to keep up with. You know, they're answering emails at 9 o'clock. Well, this didn't happen for for centuries. You, you know, when it was 9 o'clock, you went to bed. And you weren't sitting with your laptop and your brain wasn't getting saturated with 10 20 by 1080 DPI and not turning off the light for another 30 minutes. So, I mean, we're, we're really getting impacted by external and internal forces. And the only thing that we really can control are ourselves and what we put in our mouths. And a lot of people attach a lot of emotion to that statement. They feel like they've tried every diet, they've given up certain food groups, and they've seen temporary results such as weight loss, but they still don't feel great. They still have mood swings. Um, They still notice physical attributes that are symptomatic with a lot of stagnation from eating really terrible foods. Um, They're looking at their eyes kind of yellow and dull and gray skin disorders such as really dry eczema level skin or flaking psoriasis acne and we're also looking more and more and finding out that the inability to pass these foods organically and eliminate um and to to be blunt to to make a bowel movement comfortably is becoming um, so infrequent now the average person and it's funny before I came on we were talking about how we interact with strangers and and this is a fact that might impact you to have compassion when you encounter strangers which is 90% of the population according to UCSF here in San Francisco only eliminates two to three times a week um, and makes a bowel movement two to three times a week which if you really think about it 52 weeks in a year two to three times I don't need to to do the math to tell you that's that's an alarmingly low uh, rate. If you were in school and took a test and, you know, only got a two to three out of out of a seven <laughs> opportunity, you would fail. You wouldn't feel very good about yourself. So if we're not able to cleanse and remove 
debris from our systems, um, it triggers a lot of pain. You are starting to see um, not just the physical weight of people, but you are starting to see women not able to have children because their hormones are all over the place. They don't have regular periods. Um, men at an older age or not even, they're entering maybe 40s, mid-40s. Libido numbers are increasing increasingly declining and medication is necessary for that. Um, depression, one of the number one things, again, 80, 80% of the population has or is currently consumed uh, an antidepressant or mood balancer. Um, and when you look at the diet of many of these people, they come in, I see, and they say, well, you know, but I'm only eating 1500 calories a day. And they still don't understand why they don't feel well. And when you look at them and say, well, what are you eating? And you take a look and you see, well, they've eaten a salad, but they've dumped Hidden Valley Ranch dressing on it. Or um, they've eaten a lean cuisine, or they've eaten even Amy's, those frozen food dinners. Um, when you look at the back of these labels and you see what is in them, um, you know, we're really not good at passing monosaccharides. Okay, We're, we're really meant to just bite into a cane sugar plant and enjoy that sugar and and we should be able to process that it should be an organic vegetable um, fruit consumption and now what we have is a corn based sugar and, and almost 90% of packaged foods that are in the middle of the grocery store so um, you know the number one thing to emotional health is hydration and fat lubrication of the brain most people are really dehydrated. So, you know, a daily goal for folks should be to at least consume half of your body weight in water. And that, that does include if you're drinking hot tea, even if the tea has caffeine, um, iced tea, so long as it's been organically brewed, nothing like a Snapple or anything like that. But, you know, like you've literally put tea bags in a pitcher and waited till it's ready for consumption. Then, um, and, and I just the want to clarify one. And I just want to yeah, clarify please. one thing for what you said. When you say to consume half your body weight in water, you're talking yeah. in ounces. In <laughs> that ounces, yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Because I've, I've actually you, said you. that. Yeah, I've, had, I've said that to people, and they immediately have this look of horror, like, how right. can I drink that much water? <laughs> they, and I'm like, just, I know. You know. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Thank you, yeah. I mean, that, that really should get people, and typically that does come around to be one to two liters of water a day. And what you will find um, upping your water is not only does your appetite shrink, I mean, a lot of people eat because they're dehydrated. They just aren't consuming enough fluid. So um, when you're starting to crave sugar, most times it's because you are dehydrated. Uh, so it's, if you can kind of force yourself just to have six to eight ounces of water before you want to dive into that chocolate bar, um, you might be able to stave off a, a feeling of, of stagnation later on. But um, yes, it is in ounces. And the second part to feeling better is lubricating your brain. And the best way to lubricate your brain is, is fat and vitamin D, fish oil, cod liver oil. I mean, if you're a plant-based person and you're really not keen on sitting down with a slab of meat in front of you to get the, the amino acids and protein, then, you know, simply no problem. There's plenty of protein meal shakes, and that's something that um, if your audience wants to email me, I'm happy to give you a list of the best plant-based protein shakes for folks that, that are really sensitive to meat. But 
um, olive oil, coconut oil, and grass-fed butter. These are three of the most unbeatable fats a person can eat. Eating an avocado um, is going to give you more nutrition and more nourishment to focus, to have your brain calm itself. If the brain is undernourished and spiked with so much sugar and processed sugar in particular, we see behaviors come out that are indicative of of a lot of inflammation. You have people who are probably by nature very kind and gentle and patient and compassionate, but they've had a very trying day and they've stopped by the candy bar uh, a couple times or that candy dish in their office. They get in their car and somebody cuts them off and they have an experience of road rage. I mean, I work with patients who... And clients who talk to me all the time about this, they have to be in control, um, but they haven't eaten right. They haven't eaten in balance, and they're moody. Um, they lose their temper. Their children, I see, um, they lose their temper as a, as a manager or colleague at work. They feel um, a lot of stress. They don't feel motivated. So, you know, when we say the word cleanse and, and detox, it's really in relation to nourishment. It's not in the relationship of, okay, we want you to just completely go on a juice fast and have you be miserable and starving and blast your system with all these nutrients that, by the way, it won't know how to process and you won't be happy. Um, Nobody's happy hungry. And when you're eating fat and you're eating foods that hydrate and you're actually hydrating, you become a little more self-reliant. Um, you're able to pass these foods. The body understands you're, you're putting food. It's, it's like we can't, you know, we never put into an Excel spreadsheet or, you know, numbers in, in an accounting analogy. We don't plug in numbers randomly. We typically are looking for an outcome. And it's the same with what you eat. You know, if you want to feel optimal in your health and in emotional balance in your spirituality. If you're a person that feels like this is your year to really manifest what you're looking for, you really need to to have a light spirit and foods that are going to nourish you and power you through that. If you feel sluggish, you're not going to make it to the meetings and to the people that can help you reach your abundance and goals. You're going to feel groggy and tired. And and I think something that you said brings up something that I always – notice and wish people understood more. And I think anybody that works with herbs or works in herbalism understands this idea. But our society especially is is very culpable for having in, kind of ingrained this way of thinking into us is they get very focused on one thing. You know, so it says, oh, yep. everybody needs more calcium. So suddenly it's yep. all about taking calcium supplements, you know, which, saying that. which, which mm-hmm. then depletes our magnesium. And then there's a whole issue about mm-hmm. that, you know, but, you mm-hmm. know, uh, oh, turmeric, turmeric is great for this, that and the other. So suddenly it's like, oh, I'm going to take a turmeric supplement. I'm going to add turmeric to everything. Right. And I, I, I don't pay attention to everything else. Whereas with like in, when you work with herbs, they actually work better in combination with each other. So I'm wondering if you can talk a little bit about that more holistic idea where, combinations of things are actually more effective rather than finding Mm. the one thing you need to be taking either as a supplement or whether you need to just be eating this one thing. And sure, you could add something more to your diet, but that doesn't mean it becomes the exclusive thing. So I can go eat my cakes and pies as long as I'm having my turmeric or whatever. It's it's about looking at 
the holistic approach. And so maybe you can speak to that idea of understanding combinations and, and how things work together is more important than finding the one thing here, or the one thing there that theoretically you need for what you're trying to do or deal with. You know what? I love that that you said that, and this is a great segue, which is, you know, a diet that you borrow from Peter to pay Paul is, is really not a, a successful long-term vision for yourself. And absolutely, the, the marketing engine of telling you, you know, okay, rush now. I mean, coconut oil was chastised for years. Now it's back, and everybody's saying to eat, eat it in tremendous amounts. Um, and the fact is, is that everybody is so uniquely different, I see. I mean, I have people who... Um, they have no genetic diseases, no problem. They should not be allergic to foods, and yet they turn 30, they've had a baby, and all of a sudden anything with wheat in it um, is terrible for them. Or they can't eat coconut oil. They get really swollen. They feel really bloated and gaseous. It's like it can be a journey. I mean, make no mistake, if you invest in a holistic approach, you're going to see better long-term results. But but there is a lot of supplementation and there is a lot of balancing of herbs and it's going to be very unique per person. It's a very customized way of eating and health plans. All of a sudden when you go into the grocery store, even though there might be uh, kale in great amounts of abundance and everybody um, from Dr. Oz to Oprah to, you know, your mainstream media is telling you, please eat kale. Well, if you have an underactive thyroid, the last thing you want to eat is something that is goitrogenic, like kale or broccoli or cauliflower, in so any way, you, shape, or form. And now that everybody is panicked, can you tell them, how do I know <laughs> if I have an underactive thyroid or or an overactive thyroid? Like, yeah. what would be? How, how can we identify? Because somebody may think, oh, I should be eating more kale, but not recognize that's not good yeah. for them, but not know why. So I want to say that in both men and women, um, thyroid health is going to be very critical to your long-term health. It's the master gland of your body, and it's very sensitive to parabens and just about anything that can alter something, it will go haywire with and go either under or over. And the best way to really gauge this is to just go to the drugstore and get a, a basal thermometer, just a basal body temperature, stick it under your arm within the first five minutes of waking in the morning. And if your body is under 97 degrees, um, you are most likely with an underactive thyroid. If it is over 98.1 degrees, um, you have an overactive. So if it's under 97, it's underactive. If it's over 97 or over 98.1 to be exact, you have overactive. Um, and so Food, if you're, if you're in the underactive segment, which is what I specialize in, um, you, you really don't, even cooking food, which is supposed to break down inflammatory chemicals, even cooking foods like kale and cauliflower is not going to be beneficial to you. You will still feel um, a lot of weight and bloating. Your knees will hurt. You'll have mood swings. Your hair will be thinning. Your nails will be chipping. You will not be a very happy camper. So um, if these folks, if you're the underactive segment, go out, get a basal body temperature. If you're not warming up after removing goitrogenic foods like the kales and the broccolis and the cauliflowers, um, 
you should probably take a kelp or an iodine supplement, and the best formula for that is made by a company um, called Jaro Formulas, and they make a 150 uh, mcg of iodine. It's it'll give you 100% of your iodine dosage, so you won't need to add salt to foods, um, and it'll really support support uh, thyroid health for you. Now, if you're in the overactive community, um, this is a challenging community because you really need to keep your thyroid calm and and you need to bring it down so your your fats really need to go up you really need to force yourself to up 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 intake of grass-fed butter olive oil you really don't want to get into dairy like milk or even adding half and half to your coffee can be inflammatory to overactive thyroids they have a lot of sensitivity around um, cow milk in particular if you are a person that needs milk with an overactive thyroid definitely switch to goat um it's it's way better so um the thyroid, and, and this segues into a, a good point, which is the thyroid controls our metabolism and our emotions. And so, because emotions are theoretically, in the sense, handled by our hormone structure. And since the thyroid is in charge of your hormone structure, if anything is off in that gland, you are off. And if you keep compounding something that's slightly off, uh, with goitrogenic foods or um, overly sugar foods or overly heat foods like spicy food, which if you have an overactive thyroid, you, you really don't want to be eating, um, you know, you will, you will feel quite unwell. You will have a lot of miserable symptoms um, in which then an herbalist or an acupuncturist would immediately want to want to address with you, or you would go the Western route, high C, in which they would give you just a T, TSH hormone to help stabilize you. So, sorry if that was an earful <laughs> for folks. No, no, you no, know, that was I'm, fine. I, but, but I think that that also speaks to, um, you know, when you mentioned that there is like higher instances of say women having problems getting pregnant and and cuz yeah. the hormones are messed up due to the the pace of life and stress and all sorts of different things mm-hmm. but i think it also is worth mentioning that it also it's about conscious choices when it comes to the foods and things that we use because of the hormones and antibiotics and those kind of things that are added into foods or used in the raising of foods, like for meats and that kind of thing. And that also has an effect. It's not just about what we're eating, but it's also what's in what we're eating or how what we're eating has been treated and educating ourselves so that we're able to consciously choose things that avoid putting that into our bodies can also have a significant effect on just our overall health and well-being. Well, I think I see in the end, if if we're to sum it up in a Cliff Notes version, which is, I think this is all very interconnected. I mean, I think we have a lot of pressure, men and women today. I think marketing and the inundation of ads on our phones and cars and, I mean, getting gas the other day, I see an ad for what I should look like you know, in 10 years and, you know, there's a formula to help stave off graying hair because that's now, I guess, going to be some obscene trait for people of 40 years of age, which seems silly, but okay. Um, So, I mean, I I think that 
be gentle with yourself. Give yourself a break because you're working really, really hard, a lot harder than anybody has been. I really would argue in the past 50 years, I see. I mean, we're working longer hours. Maybe we're not in factories putting things together um, and and we're at a desk or we're, you know, able to work from home, but we're working longer hours and we're working around technology that sends out their own vibrations. I mean, these are live wires too. And then you're you're turning around and you're getting inundated with what you should eat, the, the, the trends, right? So we just talked about that. And then you feel badly if you don't participate on the trend or you feel discouraged if you try the trend and you don't see results. I've had clients who, who said, oh, my gosh, everybody's telling me to juice. And not only that, they gain weight and they feel sicker because their systems just couldn't do it. Um, they have stress. And now we have exactly women who can't get pregnant, men who feel inadequate because they can't maybe get them their partners pregnant. And um, we can have a, a pretty beleaguered society. So compassion for yourself and for the other person's journey is a very critical role in your decision to reducing inflammation. And, and I think then the next step is saying, okay, well, what is in my food? And reading, really taking the time to just turn that label over. And I always tell my clients and recommend to them, the grocery store should be an honor practice for yourself. Your food is your medicine. It's how you're going to power yourself through your life and create the life that you want. You are an architect of that after all. And, um, you know, take your time. Read the labels. Does it make sense to you? If you can't pronounce it, do you really feel comfortable putting that in your mouth? Um, if it seems expensive to you to go organic, where in your life can you cut back so that you can go organic and, you know, save off a, a, a lot of medical problems later on? Um, who in your life is supporting you? I mean, this is a really big deal, I see, which is if you're healthy, sometimes there's a social anxiety about that. There was a young woman I work with who felt like she might lose her friends because she couldn't go out and drink anymore. It was really bad for her health and, and causing a, a lot of extra weight for her. Um, so reading what's in your food, deciding for yourself where you can make cuts and sacrifices to nourish yourself, um, being gentle with yourself, not judging yourself. I still eat a cookie. I, I don't think I could live without uh, eating sweets, but I try to source the best chocolate. I try to source the best cookie, and I sit and I enjoy it, and I relish in, in a good pastry. I mean, this this is life. where We cannot deprive ourselves. We'll go crazy. So well, it, it, I really I like it... to say that. But but it's also something that I feel I have observed is um, it's about self-control and self-discipline. And right. people seem to act as if, A, sometimes they seem to act as if they don't have any. And two, they act as if they can't cultivate that in themselves. So the person who says, I feel bad because I can't go out with my friends when they go out drinking because I'm not going to drink anymore – I always wonder about something like that because I'm like, well, but why are you afraid to go have a good time with them and simply mm -hmm, say mm -hmm. no to drinking in the environment? A lot, you know. Yeah. And and you know, and and I've I've asked friends that, and they will say things like, well, you know, in in my in the work environment, it's just kind of expected. You know, well, everything with the work environment when we have meetings or we go right. out for this or that, 
it you know there's always wine or there's always this and so it's just part of the culture and it's just part of the thing and I'm like yeah but you don't have to say yes to it but there's this fear for some reason of saying no or standing out in some way or having to explain rather than just saying I just don't or I'm just going to say no. And I think that goes partially to support systems. So if the only people, like the example you had, if the only people that are her friends and who she hangs out with are always just people who drink, then maybe she needs to look at mixing up <laughs> her social circle a right. bit. Um, so that's right. not the only thing. But that goes right back to it's not about one thing or the other. It's not about extremes, like all turmeric all the time you know, versus nothing. It's about, no, it's about a, a mix and a combination. Have some friends that you go out with who don't worry about drinking, but you can also go out once in a while with the friends who do. You just say no to it rather than worrying about what they're going to think about that and then just enjoy their company. Um so I just thought I would toss that in because I just observe that so much that people are always about, oh, I can't do that because. Yep. And yep. I'm like, yep. well, you can, and you don't have to lose friends. You don't have to not do or go certain yes. places. It's just the willingness to be true to yourself and not worry about what somebody else is going to think about that. And if they do judge you and they really make it uncomfortable, then maybe we know that these are not my friends or these are not people I need to be around. Um, that's a, a kind of a different issue, but just being yourself and being okay with that is something that people seem to really struggle with because they get into this, but this is how it's supposed to be, or this is what they say will make me happy. I, I agree with you wholeheartedly. I mean, I'm a big believer in behavior modification. I think mean, it's very hard to just all of a sudden switch things or swing the pendulum, but um I think that at some point self-empowerment and becoming and developing a healthy relationship with yourself and your boundaries, I think it's also going to instigate a lot of positivity in removing stagnation from the mind, body, and spirit because um, you learn to like who you are and and embrace that change as it moves. And um, exactly that, if you're around toxic people, I mean, how many of us have I'm sure lived where we're just like, we can't be friends with this person anymore. They're too much of a bummer. Um, you know, once you empower yourself to say, I, you know, I deserve better. I count. I'm not a barcode. And if you are listening, I mean, we have to say that to ourselves every day because we are precious and we, we really deserve to hear that and be told that and have that self-affirmation. And when you have that self-affirmation, exactly. If you're in a bar and your buddies can't support the fact that you're making a commitment to your health and your boundaries, you know, those are, are probably not the right people for you. Um, and it's hard. It's it's definitely hard. I mean, you know, removing stagnation in any way, shape, or form, I see, it's not for the faint of heart. And thankfully, there are meditation practices. There are shows like yours. Um, there are stores like Sacred Well that I frequent and Oakland and love so much with spiritual beings who just stand and remind me that, you know, I'm not alone in this journey. Um, so I really encourage folks to kind of develop a self-affirmation. I told a client um, that was losing a lot of friends. She had decided to um, shift from her drinking behaviors and she wrote on her mirror every morning after she'd get out of the shower that, you know, she's going to meet the right people because she's on the right path. And sure enough, it took her a year um, but now some of her best friends go running every morning and she has a great life. She met a great guy, um, and she picked up a lot of positive momentum. And I think that 
I really think that the universe wants to see humanity win. Um, I think that if you have good intentions and you want to be healthy and you want to make a contribution to yourself and others, I really believe that all the vibrations out there are going to try to instigate that change for you. You just, you just have to accept that it isn't going to be, you know, all lollipops and roses that you're going to have some loss and you're going to have some sting, but you're going to be better for it. But, um, you know, they should tune into the show when they start to feel a little beleaguered because there are people out there who understand, you know. <laughs> well, and, and when you talk about like the woman who wrote on the mirror, I think that that's a yeah. perfect kind of example or illustration of how um, uh, we can look at the physical as uh, kind of a mirror of the emotional spiritual because when you talk about needing to release blockage and constipation in the system. It's allowing the chi as well as the other things in the body, obviously. It's allowing things to flow more freely and more efficiently. And it opens up that space where the blockage and constipation was in order for that to happen. The fact that we have to lose friends because we're making a change, while that can be a painful process, we allow for the time because doing so is going to open up the space for those kinds of people that would be healthier in terms of supporting who she is now to be able to come yeah. in. If we've blocked up all of the space with the toxic or wrong kind of people, places, or things, then there's no space for the things that we say we want to be able to come in. And then we say, oh, obviously, it's never going to happen and mm -hmm. we give up. There you go. So, so there you go. some of it is yep. cultivating that patience. But I also just like the idea, again, where it comes back to how we can look at the physical things as a direct mirror for the other things and saying, yeah, but if you want to get rid of constipation, that's going to open up space for things to move better yeah. and more healthily through your body. If you're going to get rid of toxic people, places, or things in your life, you have to give it a little time for that to then open up the space and then to be a space that's welcoming for the things that are right for you to come in. Exactly. And I really believe, I see that it's just such a connected, it's such a connected vision for any person, which is, you know, if the body is constantly tired and you're shoving really stagnant, toxic foods, to then turn around and ask it to power through life and be a good lover and be a good boss or be a good contribution when it's tired and, and just exhausted and feeling stuffed and bloated, it just makes sense that the mood then would be, you know, I'm not feeling good. I'm not feeling up to this change. I just don't see how I can get my way out of this. And then, you know, it's just another year that goes by. I mean, we're coming up on a new year and resolution time. And, you know, this is so many people, they join gyms right now, Heisey. You know, this is when they're, they're like, no, this is my year but they really don't give themselves a chance. They, they want to see an instant result. They want to take that turmeric pill and, you know, wake up 30 pounds thinner. They, so, you know, the way to change that mindset, if you've been one of these, those people, which I've been, I, I mean, I lost 110 pounds. There's nothing you could say to me that I haven't tried. I would have done anything to get the weight off. And, you know, really at the end of the day, it comes down to deciding that you're going to make, change and you're going to make a difference and, and you're going to cut your losses, the right losses to cost. And I, 
I want to say personally, it wasn't easy. And what I find, though, and what I want to give folks hope about, this, that the, the picture isn't bleak because what I've found is that people that didn't even notice me before high C or weren't even really rooting for me, they didn't even really like me, they admired my discipline. They admired my change. And all of a sudden, people and energies that kind of didn't know how to be around me started to come out and talk to me, and I started to realize wow, these people are really cool and we're coming closer and we're getting better work done and I'm having more fun and I'm meeting nicer people and I'm feeling empowered. Um, so, you know, I think that the momentum shift starts in the mind. You've got to start with the decision that you deserve to live optimally and, and feel good. The second is, to have compassion for the time it's going to take for that transformation. It may take you a year. It may take you two years. Either way, I wouldn't judge yourself on time. I wouldn't set a clock on it. Go with the process. See what your body likes and what it doesn't like. Listen to it. Um, find things that and find people that are like-minded, that inspire you and keep you accountable. You know, the coaching side of this is is that it just keeps people accountable what are you doing how is the goal progressing you know are you saying yourself affirmations are you going to your workout classes you know what are you doing to empower yourself and then the last element is really paying attention to the foods that you're eating and doing so by reading these labels taking your body temperature making sure you're hydrated if those little things you could just do every day, I really think you start to see the space open to start saying, you know what, now I really want to ask for things specifically to manifest, and I really think I have the energy to do that. I've got all three working for me, mind, body, spirit. And um, I, my world would be rocked, I see. If, you know, wouldn't it be amazing if everybody made the decision to say I matter, really and truly in their heart of hearts, and committed to eating well and taking care of themselves and I think a lot of cool stuff would come out of humanity if we all just, you know, made a commitment to that. I think it'd be really cool. So I really hope people listening feel like they deserve to to step into their power in every way, shape, or form. And and something that I might also suggest is um, when you were saying like, don't give it, don't be too hardcore about a time frame and that kind of thing is mm-hmm. when you when when you set the goal like let's say somebody says i want to lose 20 pounds when you set the goal start to make those changes that you just suggested for doing that and then stop worrying about and don't focus on the goal because you'll get caught up in i yep. oh yeah i've lost 3 pounds but i still haven't lost 17 Yep. And they'd say, oh, I've lost three pounds. So one, celebrate that, but also look and say, well, okay, so I've lost three pounds. What have I been doing that has helped me to do that so I know what to continue doing? And that will get me to the goal, but I don't have to worry about the goal, if that makes sense. exactly. Yep. And also letting go of excuses. Um you know, I. Oh, we're so good I, at I was, that, though. Humans are well, so good. <laughs> I know. I, I I was around someone um, once, and like middle of the day, they would start complaining about. 
feeling really tired or feeling really cranky or whatever. And I would always say, you know, like, well, do you need to go get something to eat? Have you had lunch? And they'd be like, no, I had something to eat earlier today. And I'm like, well, when did you eat? And they're like, well, I had breakfast. And it's like 4 o'clock, 5 o'clock in the afternoon. And I'm like, well, okay, but you need something. And they're like, no, no, I I don't need anything, you know. And then five minutes later, they'd be talking to somebody and – about the same thing, but you would hear them say things, you know, it just, it sucks getting old. I used to be able to just, you know, power through the day when I was younger. And I'm like, it's not because you're getting old. That's, that's not even anything to do with yeah. it. It's would just pay attention to how they make excuses and justify things rather than saying, no, I need to recognize the issue and change my behavior and accept what I need to do that I have control over rather than, oh, I can just transfer the responsibility and blame to aging rather than it's mm-hmm. in any way my responsibility or under my control. You just touched on a great thing. I mean, a lot of people end up coming to personal trainers or coaches for, for what you've said. I mean, they need somebody. And it goes back to that accountability. I mean, I feel like human nature, we, we, humans are bright. We are really smart, and we are really good at tricking ourselves. They're like, ah, you know what, I'm going to have that cookie, but tomorrow I'm, like, not going to eat. I mean, I have clients like this all the time, or um, totally an excuse, like, ooh, I'm, I'm just going to skip one day, um, or fear. Like you said, they won't let go of fear. I mean, a lot of times we like to hold on to our fear and hold on to our excuses because it's then the story that we run in our head. And what we're actually afraid of is the new story that we will be writing and we will be living in when we make these changes. So, you know, it's kind of like, okay, we want change. We ask for change. The change comes. And then it's like, oh, my gosh, wait a minute. It's really changing. And now I'm kind of nervous. I don't know if I get on this train. And so, um you know, accountability, don't be afraid. And, and I, I say this with compassion, which is obsessed isn't really a bad thing. Become obsessed with your wellness. Um, you're going to inspire people around you, and you're going to attract people who are going to get into it with you too. Um, and don't let, you know, don't let the story, a lot of people I find that come to my practice or come to me, they are really into their story, Heisey. They want to hold on to that victim story so much um, that it becomes so terrifying to them to let go of the story because all of a sudden, they, when they let go of their victim story, you know, this happened to me. My husband divorced me and it caused me to do blah, 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 or I gained the weight because my boyfriend dumped me or my mom always was really judgmental about my weight. Um, you know, when we hold on to the fear, um, we really cannot heal. And so you have to really decide what is the story you want? Is the same old story working for you? I mean, do you turn on the TV and watch the same episode every day of the same show? No, you want a different storyline. You are excited. You want to grow. So, you know, Take a look at what story you have running in your head and see where you can kind of change it and say, you know what, Um, maybe I'm not ready to let go of my fear. Maybe I'm just ready to write a different part here of of the book Um, and and just be open to it and have a lot of compassion for yourself. Don't don't judge yourself. I feel like a lot of people have pressure right now, Um, especially with holidays. 
So be ju- be kind to yourself. Now is not the time to pick on yourself at all. But I think, you know, playing off the same analogy you just did, though, when people are uh, afraid of letting go of an old story and afraid of writing a new story, it also, that not letting go of the old story is like when you watch a, a, a television show, for example, and it starts to get really confusing and convoluted because they start to have so many different plot lines going on and so many different characters going on. They never tie one up in order to start another one. It's like you've got now seven different plot lines and 18,000 different characters to keep track of. And I think that that's where people create an overwhelming sense for themselves because they keep trying to hold on to the old stories but add new things to it rather than recognizing the need to close the book on the old story and just start with a blank Mm -hmm. piece of paper and blank canvas to start writing a new story. But that's fearful because they're like, but I don't know how that story is going to turn out. I'm comfortable in knowing my old story, even if I don't like it. I'm comfortable in it because it's familiar. Uh, And, you know, I think that's where people get tripped up is they start to create too much convolution by holding on to and keep adding, adding, adding to, um, thinking that that's going to somehow change things rather than recognizing. Well, exactly. Nope. Exactly. I mean, I see, I think that that's actually when people make excuses. Um, and, you know, Albert Einstein, the definition of insanity is, you know, doing the same thing every day or doing the same thing and respecting a, expecting a different result. So, um you know, if you find yourself making excuses or if you find yourself not pulling the trigger, sometimes it goes the other way where you're just, you are um, stagnant, literally. You you have a hard time making a decision. Um, you know, just take a look again at that story and find help. I, I think there's a lot of people that talk about this, that you don't need to spend a lot of money to find the tools to go and, you know, God, message my page. I mean, I'm happy to help you. Email me. I I am completely happy to help you. I love talking about any way to make a person get off and instigate change. So, um, but I often find in my own life. Yeah, please. Well, I was just saying, and, and, and I hear this excuse a lot too. If you can't afford to join a gym. Yep. There are plenty of parks that have like different little workout stations to set up, you know, for you to use. There are um, lots and lots and lots of YouTube videos and things that you can uh, use for people that are showing you how to do things in your house where you can use, you know, cans of food as the weight uh, and different things. So, you know, there are ways if we're just willing to look for them rather than hoping for the excuse to not do it. Well, I would join the gym, but, you know, they charge $50 a month. I can't really afford that. So while I would like to do that, I can't. Oh, okay. That doesn't mean you don't have to exercise. (laughs) That just means you may not do it at the gym. It's not the excuse to say, I I guess I won't exercise. I mean, a lot of people say this, um, and I'm really glad you mentioned YouTube. I see. I think that one of the positive things about technology um, is that there's even applications where for 5 to $10 a month you can watch videos, exactly that, using soup cans to build muscle memory, um, work to lengthen your spine with uh, correct Pilates movements. I mean, 
I was 110 pounds, so going to a gym was really hard for me. It felt really emotional. My victim story was I was this big fat blob with every wobbly bit jiggling on every single motion I made, and I just personally felt really exposed and embarrassed to go work out. So I I started in my dining room on a yoga mat. Um, You know, just move. I I think I hate to quote Nike, but just just do it. You know, don't think about it. If you want to work out and move your body, move it. Um, you know, obviously we might be at work and we have some situations where we can't, but I absolutely encourage people to get an exercise. It's a very important way, not just as your personal trainer, but definitely for clearing even a bad day. Just get out and walk or walk on a treadmill or lay down on a yoga mat and stretch your body, move your muscles. Absolutely. And and I think that that speaks to because you were talking about it's okay to to get obsessed about something, but yes. I think w- with obsession you have to be careful of not doing it to an extreme, which can create burnout, or can create unrealistic expectation, or can create you you can hurt yourself because somebody who joins a gym and says okay I'm really going to do this I'm going to go and lose weight and then they go and the first time they go to the gym all of a sudden they're trying to lift 150 pounds and they're doing an hour on the treadmill and all of a sudden they mm-hmm. find themselves you know passing out in the parking lot and <laughs> it's like yeah you you yeah. have to learn and this goes back to like with the foods and everything else you learn the balance you learn the proper mix and proportion of things and it can increase over time but just like with you don't just take all turmeric all the time. It may be one thing that you take uh, once a day or every other day and you mix that with something else that you take every other day or something like that. So I, I just wanted to point that out because I often see that as part of the problem with a lot of people, too, is they burn themselves out because they go in and they mm. go so full force that they can never keep that pace up. And then they just kind of stop, either start drifting away or just stop totally, doing it. Totally, totally, totally. Yeah, I mean, burnout is a big problem. As a personal trainer, I see it a lot. Um, And I think what I tell my clients when I start to bust them for burning out, not showing up, or missing appointments is that, you know, obsession doesn't mean force. Um, Obsession is really, I would say, synonymous in this case with accountability, with about, you know, just making a daily commitment to the story that you want to write and the release of fear and excuses inhibiting you from manifesting what it is you want. So, um, you know, thank you for helping me realize I really want folks to just think about more accountability then, you know, daily making sure whatever health regimen that nourishes your mind, body, and spirit that you keep to that and, you know, you surround yourself around people who will empower that. And the right people sh- in your life should want to empower that as much as possible. Um, and please go on YouTube. Go on Blog Talk Radio. I mean, I have a blog. If there's something you want me to talk about specifically, I will. I mean, I, there's no cost to you. Um, but let's help each other. This is, life is short. <laughs> and I will also mention, because you had mentioned the Sacred Well in Oakland, that monthly you offer a wellness salon there. So if people are in the Oakland area, they can certainly come by for that yeah. on the second Mondays of each month. But that is also, we broadcast that live on Periscope so people can watch when you do the class and actually ask questions that you will answer during Please. the class. Um, and you can also watch... Uh, those afterwards on the Sacred Well YouTube channel. So if you wanted to see more of what 
uh, Alyssa offers or have a chance to interact with her, um, then I would encourage you to either come in person or to to tune in on Periscope Please, or if nothing yeah. else, watch on YouTube. And uh, again, the, the channel for that is The Sacred Well. Um, so I just wanted to ask a couple of questions that had come from the chat room, if I may, as we move oh, I'm the Q&A towards yes. the, the conversation. Um, one person said that they had um, really benefited by following the blood type diet, and I was just curious mm-hmm. what your thoughts were about that approach. Well, initially what I'm going to tell you is if you see results on something long-term, if you've been able to address and minimize any health risks and issues from one to two years following a nutrition plan, generally your body has adapted and accepted the plan quite well. So if you've seen positive results um, and it's healed symptoms and ailments, I would say for any plan, keep doing it. My issue with the blood diet is that um, our hormones change. And is this person male or female? I see. Well, I, I, I'm not sure. I can't tell from their screen name. Okay. Well, okay. Well, let's just say if it's a female, the risk of a blood type is quite candidly because females um, ovulate, and so eating for blood cell count and blood nourishment becomes really critical. So, you know, making sure you're getting enough amino acid, folic acid, folic acid and iron in this diet is going to be a challenge, uh, um, especially on, peri- on periods where you're either building up to ovulation and, and your period cycle and then going back down through, through the system. So a woman's hormone structure changes every week. Um, and so that diet long-term, depending on your age, if you want to have children, if you've had children, if you're menopausal, there's a little more factors I have about that diet, but I would just say if you've seen results, um, I'm thrilled for you and I would continue. Um, and if you're a male, I've not studied enough on its impact on males and um, minimizing or alleviating any health symptoms. So I'm sorry, sir, if, if in, in the event I, I can't help you there. Um, so another question was, how do you identify what the indications are for inflammation? And then sure. what are some suggestions for dealing with inflammation once you um, recognize it or realize that you have it? a great question. So if we start with the physical aspects, typically um, you're looking at swelling around the abdomen area, um, sweating through deodorant and, you know, having actual pit stains through your clothes. Like you, you really sweat quite abundantly under your arms. You have hair recession. Um, so, you know, men will have like that little M that happens when they start to bald a little bit, but it will also happen in women. It'll recede at the top of the forehead and thin at the crown of your head. Um, your skin will turn brown and blotchy in areas. You'll have dry elbows and dry ankle bones. Your nails will sort of chip and feel thin. You might have really like hard thumbnails or pinky nails, but the rest of your fingers will be very soft and susceptible to breaking, joint pain, um, swollen knees. And um, you'll also, on some people, the tongue is really swollen and you'll have 
a white coat in the mornings on top of your tongue, and then you'll also have teeth marks uh, on your tongue too, which is a big indication that you're very, very inflamed. So the tongue is, you know, a doctor asks you to stick it out and say, ah, because the tongue really indicates your health. So if you stick out your tongue in the morning and say, ah, and it's not pink, um, and there's, there's, it should just be flat hyacinth, meaning so sometimes tongues you'll see a little split down the middle, and if you see a split or a crack in your tongue in any way, um, you, you have a symptom of inflammation in your GI, and that's most of where inflammation is concentrated. Um, once you find that you have bloating, maybe you have mood swings, so that's segues into the emotional aspect of inflammation, which is you have a very low sex drive, you have an inability to make a bowel movement. Um, when you do make a bowel movement, it's not very healthy. It can be painful and really loose. Um, you have trouble sleeping. You have anxiety. You're kind of anxious to a depression kind of side. You often need to nap. Um, and I would also note that most of the times you probably, your irritability can get, if you're a woman, it can get very, very strong around your period time. And, and if you're a man, it can really actually spike later in the evening that you feel a source of irritability and tension, like a surge of everything. Like you'll be sitting on the couch and there's like a surge of everything in your mind of everything you should have done or um, you just have an anxiety passing moment. Once these things are identified, one of the best things to do is look at your hydration and look at your fat intake because if you have a busy brain and a moody brain and a moody system, you're likely to not be eating a lot of fat. So before you go to bed, you're going to want to take a DHA supplement and probably a tablespoon of some kind of oil. I really, some people, I advocate olive oil. Um, some people just can't do that. So avocado oil is really good to consume at night, um, and it's very, very bland. If you can't do that, walnut oil is also very good, and walnut is a great source of magnesium. So, I mean, you get a, kind of a double whammy there if you can force yourself to eat walnuts. If you have a nut allergy, though, you can do flax oil and avocado oil and Take it at night, maybe an hour before you go to bed, and you will wake up. And not only will your tongue not be swollen and inflamed, but you'll also wake up feeling really, really refreshed. So fat, fat, fat. And then water, water, water. Um, do not ever exceed in ounces half of your body weight. You will really, you'll instigate adrenal fatigue and your kidneys will fail. So never exceed that amount ever. Um, and if you can hydrate, you'll start to see an improvement in mood and in body function. Ideally, the way you'll know you're healing and doing something right is if you're going to the bathroom every hour and urinating every hour, that's how you're going to know you're getting enough fluid and the right fluid. And if the urine is clear to to a kind of a faint yellow, then you're going to know that you're starting to wake your system up a little bit and reduce inflammation. So those would be my two suggestions to start. If you really wanted to get into it and, and specifically address your symptoms with me, just, just message my page and, and we can talk.
Um, and then one final question was um, somebody was making a resolution to lose weight for the coming year, and just wondered if you had an, <laughs> it, just wondered if you had any tips for um, how to support doing that in general. Not like a specific regimen for losing twenty pounds or whatever, but just things mm -hmm. that help to support losing weight and then maintaining over the long term the the weight that someone wants to be at. So whoever this person is, I want you to go out and get a book called The Plan. Um, this book is going to be an amazing motivational source for you. It's going to be completely eye-opening. Um, so start with that and keep it on your bedside table. Even if you don't read the whole thing or it's just, just have it in front of you in a place that you frequent. Put it in your car. Or go, I have it on my bedside table. Something like that. Um, the second thing to your weight loss is, is going to be sleeping seven to eight hours and really working on a 20 to 30 minute workout regimen, nothing more. Do not stress your body. If you have excess weight and you go out and you spend like 60 minutes on a treadmill, your body is going to perceive it as stress. And if your body thinks it's stress, it's going to hold on to fat because it's going to think it's ready for you to, like, go through something really serious and it needs to hold tight. So um, watch your stress load. Really focus on sleep and focus on quality exercise, not quantity. Um, and read that book, The Plan. Those are the three things that if you can just commit to for a year, um, I'm, I'm really interested to, to hear how you, you knock your goal out of the park. I'm pretty confident you will. And if you also need a personal cheerleader, message my page. I'm happy to keep you accountable. Um, and I'm just going to, to say something that I do, and you can tell me, you know, that I'm totally <laughs> crazy. Well, you're or, beautiful. You know, you're beautiful. Um, so whatever you but, do is great. <laughs> well, one thing is that in the morning when I get up and at night before I go to bed, I have a glass of water with uh, a couple of yeah. teaspoons of apple cider vinegar. Now, I know you're not a big proponent of apple cider vinegar, um, <laughs> and I think that as an alternative, you suggest using aloe vera juice. I do, yeah. Uh, and then also when I get up, if nothing else, I encourage people, when you get up, do a series of like 30 jumping jacks because jumping jacks, and you can correct me if this is wrong, but I think that jumping jacks kind of um, engage pretty much all of the body and all the muscles in the body. And it just stimulates the metabolism to start kicking in when our body is waking up, which is a very important aspect, I think, for the rest of the day is that we get the metabolism going and moving and stimulated um, rather than allowing it to be sluggish when uh, and and take time to get going over the day. Well, I think that's that's great. I think movement is is awesome and and water. It, it, yeah, no, I think that's a great regimen. And I, again, I think just overall, have patience for yourself. You know, just just give yourself a break. Don't be too judgmental. If your goal is to lose weight and it's 10, 20 pounds um, or more, three pounds of a weight loss is great. Um, don't judge yourself. Don't, you know, if that's only three pounds in one week, that's huge. Um, you know, but every day do a little bit and um, 
it's, I think the easiest thing I tell my clients, it's always easy to maintain than repair. So find your momentum and, and maintain that. I see you have your little ritual. Um, I have a ritual before evening and, and before my day. Um, and I really hope everybody on the show can, can kind of think about a ritual for themselves. And if you need motivation or you want to ask me, you know, please come into Sacred Well. I am there. One of the best places on earth. You'll be able to also meet High C in person, which is a very special thing, I think. And then um, message my page. I'm happy to help you. So, and, and that's on very- Facebook. Yeah, you've been very generous in, in offering people to send you questions. Can you just let people totally. know the, the various places and ways that they can contact you and find information about you? Yeah, so I, I really would encourage folks to just go facebook.com. If you type in my name, um, my like page appears. I answer everybody's messages. Any pe- People message me about weight, chronic disease, Chinese medicine, herbs, herbal remedies. They'll take pictures of their prescriptions and ask me about them. Um, And I just totally am there to answer them for you. If I don't know the answer to something, I will tell you and most likely make a referral um, to somebody else who's excellent in between my Western connections and Chinese medicine connections. I'm really focused on getting an answer for you. So, um, please go to facebook.com, type in my name, and I always try to get to you. I, so far, I see, I, I, it only takes me, I'm only one day behind. So, like, if you message me at midnight, I'm not going to answer you. I will get to you that next morning. Uh, Just keep slacker. that in mind. But, I know. But I do, I do need to sleep, but I will try to get to you. So, um, you know, if you're having a sleepless night and you're not feeling well, don't worry. By 8 a.m., I look at my Facebook page, um, Pacific Time, and I will try to get to you. <laughs> um, and just so people know, your name is spelled A-L-I-S-S-A, and the last name is C-O-H-A-N. Yes. Um, yeah. So to close each conversation every month, um, there's something I do where I have a, a question to ask you from a previous guest, and then I'm okay. going to ask you for a question to pose to a future guest. So okay. your question is from my previous guest, Eric Dupree, and okay. his question is, how are you dedicating the merit of the work you're doing to the benefit of all beings? Oh, my God. What a deep question. Well, Eric, um, my how, I think, is I will talk about this. Nothing will deter me from, I had to pay a lot of money. I mean, I had to, I got, you know, $100,000 of health bills to get 110 pounds off me. I don't want anybody else to have to incur that cost. And I'm going to give you everything I know to make a person feel better. If you want to be better in your health and, and you think I'm okay, you trust me to, to follow, to get the help, I will throw everything I can to empower you. Um, and I don't charge for that because I am really humbled to be a student of others and, and empowering other people's wellness. And uh, it's a very personal mission of mine to make sure that you know, because of me, somebody could be better and get better and live their life happy. And um, that's a pretty pretty humbling opportunity for me. So that's how I think I'm doing it. Um, 
and I hope I do it well every day, and I I do hope I instigate positive change for folks in doing so. And what question would you like to ask a future guest? Um, I think I'd be interested in understanding some future guests and um, how to accept accept change um, with grace and without resistance. Uh, or because uh, I, I for personally can sometimes really struggle. Change comes, and I really can resist it sometimes. And I am just very curious how to see and accept change, and not just go with it, Heisty, but not view it as a threat in a way or as something that's negative, but something for the better. And um, I'd love some guidance on that, too. That would be helpful for me to know. Well, I think that's an excellent question and one that is very, very appropriate for many, many people that are listening. So thank you for asking that question. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) And thank you so much for having taken time to be here and share so much of your wisdom and experience with people. Um, We'll just remind people again, the best way for people to find you and to contact you is through your Facebook page. And Mm -hmm. they can just go to Facebook and search your name, Alyssa, A-L-I-S-S-A, Cohan. Is it Cohan or Cohen? I don't know. I hope I haven't been saying it wrong. (laughs) No, that's what you do. It's Cohan. Thank you. Cohan with A. Yeah. C-O-H-A-N. So, you know, for me, a thousand gratitudes for having taken the time to be here today. I'm that's so generous. Thank you so much, I see. And thank you, everybody, for listening. I'm very honored. And if anyone is curious to either attend uh, Alyssa's monthly wellness salon or to watch the live broadcast on Periscope, that will be taking place uh, on Monday, oh, tomorrow, on Monday the 14th at the Sacred Well in Oakland uh, at 7 p.m. Yes, so if you're in that area, come and be in person with us. Um, Otherwise, if you want to tune in on Periscope, just look for the Sacred Well uh, on Periscope, and then the broadcast will start when the, the salon starts at 7. So thank you, Alyssa, for being here. And I would like to remind people, if you are interested in getting a reading, you can get into the queue by connecting in from the show page, or you can call 646 716 5510 and we will be right back to go into readings after this brief break stay tuned got a vision that no one else sees a lot of dirty work roll up your sleeve remember there's a war out there so come prepared to fight you never know
You're listening to Revolution with host Heisey Lutmers on Firefly Willows L-I-V-E. Find out more at facebook.com slash revolution with Heisey. And welcome back. Thank you to my guest, Alyssa Cohan, for having joined us here. And I'll remind people that if you tuned in in the middle or if there was a lot of information there and you want to go back and hear it again, uh, that you can always find archives of the show here on Blog Talk Radio of any of our past shows. You can also find us on um, on iTunes. Uh, just do a quick search for the name of the show, uh, in this case Revolution, or any of the shows, and it'll come right up, and you can listen, download, or subscribe there in order to be able to hear past episodes, um, revisit information that you might have heard uh, that you wanted to go back to in an episode. And uh, I will also let you know that if you would like to get into the queue, you have a couple more minutes to do so. Uh, you can connect in from the show page or you can call 646-716-5510 in order to uh, be there in the queue for a reading. So we're going to go ahead and go to our first caller. And this is someone calling from area code 408. Are you there, area code 408? This is area code 408. Well, hello. What's your name and where are you calling from? (laughs) My name's Mia, and I'm calling from Northern California. Well, welcome to the show, Mia. Uh, What is it that we can look at for you today in a reading? Uh, Well, it's regarding um, my physical health or my health outlook for the upcoming year, and more specifically, I guess, um, is there anything... um, more I could or should be doing differently uh, to experience further success uh, in that area moving forward, um, whether it's a, from a physical stand, more on a physical standpoint or a, most, a mental emotional standpoint to benefit the physical side. Well, the first thing I would say is our guest was very generous. I would take advantage of her offer to maybe send her a, a message on Facebook. You could ask her specifically if there are some things from a food perspective um, or other things that she might be able to suggest related to what you have specifically that you're dealing with. Um, okay. So I would certainly encourage you to take advantage of that. Um, and then in terms of looking at the cards... So the first card that comes up is, well, in this deck, it's called the Princess of Discs, which would be the same as the Page of Pentacles, reversed. Um, And, you know, oftentimes that's a card when it's upright that represents having a goal, having um, a plan, uh, like a business plan, for example, having a structure. And reversing it can say that we may be a little too haphazard in what we're doing or the approach we're taking, and we need to come up with some very specific, well-defined goals, and then some very specific, well-defined plans of, okay, I'm going to do this, and I'm going to do this for X amount of time, and I'm going to do it, you know, every day I'm going to get up and I'm going to do this, um, and I'm going to do this, uh, these are the steps I'm going to take, and I'm going to wait until... 
I see, it's kind of like what the guest was talking about. It's like, I'm going to do this, but I'm going to wait until I start seeing the results from it. And then I'm going to add the next thing. And it's not so much about, I'm going to do this for a week and then I'm going to add the next thing and start doing that for a week. And then the next thing for a week, it's saying, I'm going to start doing this. Then when I feel I'm seeing the results and this is sustainable and this is really kind of um, settled into a natural part of what I'm doing and it's really kind of solidified in terms of the results that I'm seeing, then I'll add the next thing. So it's not being in too much of a rush because the three of pentacles is right after that card. And so the fact that we're getting two pentacles cards right next to each other, uh, it pentacles is the earth suit which is kind of the slowest moving suit. And so it says we have to have the patience to allow things to happen in the time and in the way they need to, rather than trying to push, rather than trying to rush, or rather than trying to force. So, um, and Three of Pentacles is a card of doing the work, but it's also a card that represents collaboration and teamwork. So it would say that it's probably going to, A, be a combination of multiple things rather than finding just that one thing. Two, it could also literally be about working with multiple people that that provide different approaches. So it'd be like working with a Western medical doctor and an acupuncturist or uh, an herbalist and a more traditional Western medicine, um, but looking at how do those work together, how do they combine. Um, the other thing that this could indicate is finding someone who is multidisciplinary. So it's like working with somebody who isn't just one thing. So instead of I work with a Western doctor and over here I work with a Chinese doctor and over here I work with this, it's somebody who has an understanding or a training in in maybe uh, multiple things so that they they understand the combination. So somebody who understands Western medications and how they combine with herbs rather than I go to an herbalist for the herbs and I go to the Western doctor for the medications. The herbalist often tends to be more informed about how things work together. The Western doctor isn't going to have any knowledge about what the herbs do or don't do, how they might contraindicate, which means how they might mix and not mix uh, properly and that kind of thing. So um, one, I think it's it's working at different levels. And two, either having more than one person that's going to be really good for the um, th that has that multidisciplinary understanding uh, or at least working with multiple people who have an understanding of what the other people do. Um, but that combined with having goals and a structure that we stick to is going to be really important. The Ten of Swords is here, um, which can indicate that we are, but it's in the position of uh, what's the biggest obstacle, challenge, or fear? What's our biggest block? <laughs> and so the fact that it's sword says our mental state may be our biggest block. Over worrying, overthinking, or anxiety, but that can go into things like um, I expected to see progress by now. Or I expected to see X amount of progress by now. And then we get stuck in our heads about, but I don't see that. So now I guess it's not working. Now I guess I'm just going to be dealing with this for the rest of my life. I guess this is never going to heal. 
if we can let go of that so that we don't overthink it and overworry it, then we can just focus, and this goes back to that page, that page of Pentacles reversed and the Three of Pentacles. If we can just focus on the work at hand, the goal at hand, and just do what we need to be doing in that moment, we'll get to the results, but we don't have to worry about the results and when we're going to get there. Mm-hmm. Um, the next card is the Fool card reversed. So one thing that that can say, so the Fool card is the first card of what's called the Major Arcana Cycle, which is major phases and cycles of our life. And it's both the end and the beginning, actually. And one thing that the Fool card could say is it's not time to leap into a whole new thing. So there may be things that we've already been doing um, that still have some value for us. We just have to find a way to revisit them and say, okay, how do I reincorporate these or how do I approach them differently um, uh, or how do I structure them differently? Uh, because the Fool card reversed also says in the short term, because that's the position that it's in, the, the the most immediate thing for us not to do is to take any chances, big chances or big risks. So we don't need to do something that's going to put our health or our healing process in jeopardy or be risky for that uh, uh, to take place. That can be hard for people because sometimes they want to just get on with things or get back to things they used to do or that kind of thing. And they're just like, well... It doesn't feel so bad today. I'm just going to go out and do this. And then, of course, it strains something. And for the next two days, they're paying for it because now they're in major pain and all that kind of thing. This is really, so for me, the short-term position is the next one to three months. So over the next few months, and let's just say for the first uh, quarter of 2016, we'll put it in terms of the new year coming up. So for January, February, March, we don't want to do anything that's going to put ourselves, our health, our healing process at risk. So we are going to take a more conservative approach. We're going to be more practical and pragmatic about things. Um, And we're going to continue to rely on things we've already done that we may know have at least shown some results and figure out how to structure those in and continue working with those rather than jumping into some risky thing, new thing, or doing things that have nothing to do with the healing process, but that can negatively impact the healing process. Um, So the the nice thing is the final card here for kind of the long-term outlook is the Queen of Pentacles. Mm -hmm. So it shows this ability or this this potential um, for being able to move towards a much more healthy, stable, strong state of being. But again, it's pentacles, so it takes time. It's kind of like with gestation and pregnancy and that kind of thing. It's just going to take time. And we have to work with what our body is needing. We have to work with the time and the natural progress and cycles of how the healing process needs to go rather than trying to force it to be on our timetable and then finding that we uh, may too often create setbacks for ourselves 
because we pushed too hard for what we thought should be happening or what we thought our body should be up to rather than honoring and respecting and being compassionate to what our body needs and not trying to force it to live up to our expectations but to relax into how it needs to go about its healing process. But the Queen of Pentacles is a great card to see as a long-term outlook for any time we're asking about like a physical health situation because Queen of Pentacles is a very, very vital and strong and healthy card. Um, so it shows the ability to get there. It will just take time, and we have to recognize where we're actually getting in the way of that process or creating setbacks for the process rather than blaming the process itself or blaming our body. Mm-hmm. So did anything in there make sense for you? Absolutely. Yes, it's very um, relatable. Okay. Um, The Queen of Pentacles also, uh, because anytime we have uh, court cards like this, uh, people cards, um, the the Queen of Pentacles can also represent someone outside of you. And I find this very interesting because the Queen would represent a female figure. And so this could indicate that for long-term success or for the long-term healing process or the the potential and the results that we want to see over the long term, working with someone who has a really strong um, rooting and understanding and maturity and wisdom in these kind of things and who has done it. Um, Queen of Pentacles is kind of like going to somebody who has either, they don't have to experience the same thing we have, but at least they've been through something themselves rather than they just learned about it in a classroom and now they're just applying what they've learned from the textbook rather than having real-world experience. So, for example, this Queen of Pentacles could represent my guest that was just on because that would represent somebody who has done their own work, who understands these natural processes of things, who has the wisdom and the maturity to say, we set goals, but we don't get caught up in the expectation of the result or the time frame we're setting versus we learn how to work with our bodies and do these Mm -hmm. things. And then queens are the mother figure. So it's kind of like the accountability factor. You know, it's like your mom calling. So have you done blah, 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 blah. So you said you were going to do this. You know, it's, it's having somebody that can help to support in that way as well. Mm Mm-hmm. Perfect. I think I know who that might be. Excellent. Okay. Thank you. You are welcome. So hopefully this helped. Oh, here, I'm going to toss in one little extra thing. Um, what's the day and month of your birth? Uh, six, seven. Oh, sorry. Day is seven. Month is six. Well, that's okay. <laughs> um, so, yeah. So I use that to calculate a year number and a year card. Um, this just shows the overall energy lesson theme focus for a year, and year means birthday to birthday, not calendar year. So for you, your number for the year is a three. Three is a number of looking forward to the future with optimism. So it's it's a lesson in remembering to be hopeful and optimistic rather than to give in and give up to pessimism <laughs> um, and, uh, and negativity. Um, but three is also, it represents like, birth and creation it represents the first sprout of something so we may see some first little indications of progress or growth or uh, something coming about from what it is that we do but 
just like that first sprout isn't a full apple tree with apples on it. We have to accept, I see the small steps that have happened and have been successful. I've seen the amount of progress I've made, even if it's not as much progress as I would have liked to have made. And I'm going to continue working and cultivating that and paying attention to what did work that actually allowed for at least that that little bit of progress so I can continue to use that and add to that rather than to say, well, that wasn't enough, so now I'm going to go over here and try this. It's just like people who do diets. They're like, well, yeah, I lost five pounds on that diet, but I really wanted to lose 20, so I'm not going to do that anymore. Now I'm going to go over here and I'm going to do this diet. And that just mm-hmm. throws their body's whole system into uh, chaos, really. And mm-hmm. then they wonder why they're suddenly gaining weight again on this new diet, and now they're losing weight, but it's not as much as they had thought. So, oh, maybe I'm going to go try this one now. So that's that's part of what that three-year is learning is pay attention to the small progress and what has worked and continue to use that, cultivate that, and build on that rather than jumping from thing to thing. The card for your year is the Hanged Man card, and that is the card for patience. So this is a year to really teach you how to have patience with these things. Um, It's a card of releasing, surrendering, letting go of... um, uh, that I don't have control over everything. So I have to just accept and allow for rather than thinking there's always something that I can do. Because the hangman often is a card that comes up to say, don't do anything right now, just be. Um, it's, It's about receptivity versus action. And so it's just accepting there's nothing I can do. And I have to just allow for or wait for, um, not that you don't do anything, but like if if you're doing something for your healing process, it says, I can't make this go any faster. I can't make my body do this anymore. I can't, you know, then just allow for patience to say, I'm going to stick with what I'm doing. Just keep doing it. And I will wait and have the patience to see the results, how they come out and when they come in their own time for what the process needs, rather than trying to, again, rush it or force it. Um, so that would be the for me the relationship to the cards that came up here and then the the year number and the year card okay thank you that's awesome you're welcome thanks for calling in sure Uh, I'll let someone else gain your expertise (laughs) thanks have a great morning you too and have a nice holiday season as well All right, so that's going to bring us to the close of our show for this month. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in to Revolution. Uh, I appreciate your listenership and your support of the show. I invite you to come to my Facebook page, facebook.com slash revolutionwithhighc, and like the page. You're also welcome to ask questions, leave comments, add additional insights you may have to something that we've talked about on the show with a guest or in a reading, um, or if you have thoughts about the roundtable topic or anything from any of the shows, I invite you to come there. If you would like to find out more about me and the readings and sessions and services that I offer. You can visit my website at tarotbyhighc.net. You can also email me, hic, H-I-C, at tarotbyhighc.net. 
Um, I offer tarot readings that also combine a bit of numerology and astrology and I Ching and a few other things. Um, I also offer um, ritual consultations, magical remedies and consultations. So if you have questions about those or if you'd like to uh, inquire about setting up a, a private session for that, I offer those in person for people in the San Francisco Bay Area, uh, as well as by FaceTime, Skype or phone. So you can actually be anywhere in the world or the universe if you would uh, like to have a session. So thank you so much for listening in. I will look forward to having you join me here again next month. Revolution airs the second Sunday of each month, so hopefully you might have a chance to to pop in and listen in January. The show will be on January 10th. Um, But as I said, if you can't listen live, you can always listen to the shows in the archives here on Blog Talk or on iTunes. Have an amazing, wonderful, compassionate, gentle holiday season. And we will see you in the new calendar year. Thank you for joining us. Revolution with host Ticey Lutmers. Brought to you by Firefly Willows L-I-V-E. Find out more at facebook.com slash revolution with high C. We hope you enjoyed the show. This is Deb Caracella. Please join us next time on Firefly Willows L-I-V-E for Evolve with Robin White Turtle Lizney. Thursday afternoon at 2 p.m. Don't